This week, I invite you to turn in your Bibles or electronic devices to the book of John, chapter 9. John, chapter 9 is where we're just going to camp out for a little bit. Uh, I've titled the sermon for the week, Things Might Get Messy. Things might get messy. Uh, I don't know if your life is anything like mine, but it seems like just as I'm trying to clean something up, something else happens. Life gets messy. You know, and, and nobody ever said that the Christian walk was going to be easy. And certainly I know in my own life, the Christian walk has not been this, you know, just cakewalk, this easy walk, this, this just glide on through everything kind of lifestyle. I don't want to paint a picture as I stand up here that I've had it easy. The Christian life is not easy. Sometimes it gets messy. Sometimes we have to walk through this mess. And, you know, as followers of Christ, we desire this neat, clean life. And who wouldn't? But what do we do when things get messy? What do we do when we're trying to do the right things, but things continue to get messier? So this week, I want us to look at one of the miracles that Jesus performed. You know, all the miracles that we can read about in the New Testament of Jesus performing all sorts of miracles, I just want us to focus on one. And here's why I, I think it's important we take time to read the miracles and understand the miracles, because through the miracles we see Jesus making the impossible possible. And so I don't know where you're at, and as we dig in this, I don't know if you've walked in here this morning carrying the burden of a mess you're walking through. Maybe you're walking through some sort of relational mess or some sort of financial mess, or maybe it's a physical or a health mess. Something's gone on, and I don't know where you're at, but, you know, life can get messy. And my intentions this morning are not to just focus on the mess, but to focus on the Savior. Because as we walk through these messes, the thing is, we have a Savior that loves us. We have a Savior that has a plan for us. And even though life can get messy, he's there to take care of the mess. And so in John chapter 9, I just want to unpack this and look at this here for a minute. So starting at verse 1, it reads like this. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God may be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him uh, begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that it was. Others said, no, it only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. But what we see in here is we see where Jesus comes into contact with the blind man, and instead of just simply speaking healing, we see him make mud and put it on his eyes. And if I were the blind man, I'd be thinking, you know what, life gets messier. You know, why did we have to use mud to get a point across Jesus? Why, why did it have to get messier? You know, even the simplest things can get messy. Even the, the best intentions can end up messy. See, and, and we live in a broken world. And because we live in the broken world, we don't have to do something for messes to happen. Sometimes they just happen. 
We may go through something that seems unfair, something we didn't personally cause, but it's still messy. See, I remember when my kids were young, and I, I just thought, you know, mess, things that could get messy would be good for child dedication weekend, because if you're raising children, things can get messy. Can I get an amen? I mean, if you're raising children, things can get messy, and messy real quick. I remember we were getting ready for a birthday party years ago. My boys, I think my oldest boy was in kindergarten, which means his little brother was even younger. I can't even remember how old they are right now, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but we're getting ready for a birthday party, and, and Carrie and I are working to get the house picked up. And if you have little ones, you know that's a never-ending task. You're always picking up a toy. You're always picking up a sock, and somehow the socks are always in the living room. But it, it's over and over. We're always just picking up. So we're trying to just get the house straightened out. And we get a phone call from some friends saying, hey, do you mind if our two boys come over and hang out with you two boys? We have to go take care of something. And I'm thinking, how bad could that be? <laughs> I know, right? Foolish decision. But I say, sure, bring them on over. We'll just have them go play with our boys. We'll take care of it. And so they drop their boys off, and the four boys are playing, and, and you know, they're having a good time, and Carrie and I are just going about cleaning our house. And, and the boys are super quiet. We should have been my first clue to something's going on. Okay, but I'm thinking they're quiet, so I get time to just take care of the house, to work around the house, to pick up, to get ready for the birthday party. I mean, the birthday party's getting set. We'd already bought the cake. And it was one of those really cool store-bought Spider-Man cakes, you know, with the red icing and the blue icing and the black icing, and it was just amazing Spider-Man. All of a sudden, I hear, I'm so sorry. And I don't know about you, but if you're a parent and you hear those words screeching across the house, you're going, okay, just what, what just happened? Four boys are playing, one of them now screaming and crying, I'm so sorry. And I'm thinking, you know, the royal rumble is just taking place in the bedroom. Who knows what's happened? Who, who broke what? Who broke who? What's going on? So I go to investigate, and I meet my son halfway. He's coming out of the room. He's almost to the kitchen. Tears are rolling down his face. And I, he just keeps screaming, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He can't get any other words out. And in between words, it's just... <laughs> I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. He's hyperventilating and tears are rolling down his face. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And so I get down to his level and I grab his face and say, breathe. Tell me what's going on. What are you so sorry for? I'm so sorry. And he comes down, he takes a breath and here's what he says. Cake. <laughs> Bedroom. <laughs> Dropped. I'm thinking, oh, so I look over at the kitchen, and sure enough, where the cake was sitting, I'm like, there used to be a really cool Spider-Man cake on the counter right over there. So I go back to the bedroom, and here's what the other three boys are doing. They're just standing there like this. They ain't moving. I mean, there's no movement going on amongst those boys. And right there in the middle of the bedroom is the Spider-Man cake, upside down. And I remember thinking, well, this is going to be special. I remember thinking, what do you think? How did you do that? Why? Why is the Spider-Man cake upside down in your bedroom? I don't know if you ever tried to rationalize with a kindergartner. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know. I'm like, uh, here's what I know. I'm trying to get the house clean for a birthday party, and things just got messier. And I mean, like, red icing and blue icing and black icing messier in the carpet. I didn't cause the mess. 
It's now something that I'm a part of. It's something I have to take part of. I now have to clean up a mess. I now have to go through this mess and take care of this mess. I didn't ask for it. In fact, I was minding my own business, doing my own thing, and the mess happened. This should be a slogan, mess happens. But how often do we see the blessing in the mess? How often when things get messy do we see the blessing? Because here, if I would have reverse engineered what I was walking through and what I was going through, here's, here's what I should have done. I want to make sure I point out this is what I should have done. This is not what I did. I'm kind of freaking out as a parent going, why did you take the cake to the bedroom? Instead, here's what I, I, I should have done. I should have celebrated, not in front of them, but the fact that I had a cake. The fact that I was blessed enough to go and buy a really cool super Spider-Man cake. I, I, I could go and purchase them a really cool cake. I was blessed enough to do that for my family. At least for a moment, we had a cool Spider-Man cake. <laughs> but I was blessed enough to do that for my family. And in fact, I was, I was blessed enough to have two boys that were just absolutely curious and amazing and full of awe and wanted to figure out you know, what they could do with a Spider-Man cake in their bedroom. I missed the blessing. In fact, the fact that they even had a bedroom to take the cake to. Man, what a blessing that is. The fact that I had a house that had a bedroom. The fact that I had a son that was showing remorse for his actions. You know, as a kindergartner, understanding he did something wrong, that's a big step. But I missed the blessing. I missed, you know, seeing, because I'm going through all this, and in the moment, I'm just seeing the mess. It's then understanding that because I have this mess, I, I'm able to have this mess because of all the things I have going on in life. And sometimes the things we get in the life, the things we have in life, the things we're blessed with, come with a mess. So some of the things we have come with a, a mess. My, my initial reaction was not that. I just want to point out my reaction was much like a much more selfish. Why is this happening? What are you doing? What are you thinking? It was very selfish. It was more about me and why I had to clean up. Instead of seeing the blessing, I saw the mess. And how often do we look for the blessing when things get messed, when things go from bad to worse? Do we walk into the situation looking for God to show up? Or do we walk through the mess with hopelessness, saying things might not ever get better? You know, the, the, it's, this is going to drive me crazy. I don't know if I'm going to survive this. I don't know if I can get through this. I, I don't know if this mess is going to ruin me. You know, now maybe this story that I'm telling you is only about cake, but what do we do when there are bigger messes? What do we do about the relationships that get messy? We walk through a relationship, and it may have gotten messy. How do we deal with that? Or maybe it's a, it's a physical diagnosis. Our health gets messy. We didn't expect it. We didn't ask for it, and life just got messy. Or maybe it's a financial mess that we're walking through. I don't know what it is that could be messy, but I know that things can get messy, and they can get messy real quick. So I just want to walk through this section of Scripture, and I want us to just look at a few things, a few observations that really point out to who we are in this, this message. And understand, it starts with the unaware. It starts with the unaware. And see, some of us are walking through this, and we have the unaware. In John chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it says this. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Let me just stop right there. The blind man knew he was blind. He was unaware of that. He, he was aware. But he wasn't aware of who Jesus was. See, it says that Jesus and the disciples approached him. The passage begins introducing the man. He says he's blind. So this, he was unaware of other things. He'd never seen the sunrise. 
He doesn't know the colors on the flowers. He, he's never even seen his parents' face. The only reality for this man is darkness. He's unaware of things that we often take for granted. And I also find it interesting that Jesus approaches him. The disciples approach him. Is this because he never heard of Jesus? Was he unaware of what Jesus can do for him? Maybe he's just minding his own business, unaware of what the Savior can do. And like many of us, maybe we're just going through the motions, unaware of what Christ can do for us. Maybe we're walking through a mess and we're unaware of what Jesus can actually do for us. And we're just living this unaware. Whether he knew Jesus could help him or knew there was you know, something or just going through his business, he was unaware. The second group of unaware people was this, the disciples. In verse 2 says, the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents said he was born blind. So the disciples were unaware of why the man was blind. They're saying, you know, whose fault is this, Jesus? Who sinned? And it's not a far-fetched question in their culture. In their culture, morality was translated into a simple formula. Those who do right will be rewarded. Those who do wrong will be punished. And so it followed from this formula that any personal disaster was evidence of sin. This is what they believed in their culture. There's something happened, and if this man was blind, then there must have been sin. And I, I, let me be quick to point out that there is consequence for sin. When we step outside of God's will for our life, when we step out of his plan for our life, if we get away from his direction for our life, we sin, we miss the mark. And there's consequences for missing the mark. But not everything we walk through is a consequence from sin. Sometimes we walk through stuff and we have things we're facing, mess we're facing with because life happens. We live in a broken world. Back at Adam and Eve, when they ate the apple, sin into the world, the world became broken. And sometimes we're just faced with stuff. We didn't ask for it. We didn't even cause it. But now we're left walking through it. And so the disciples are unaware of what's going on, and they're saying, who caused this? What, what happened? You know, and they're, they're kind of like us. When things go on, generally speaking, we look for answers and things we don't understand. Why does this happen to us? Why do I have to walk through this mess? We want to rationalize in order to deal with the unknown. We face uncertainty and struggles, and we seek answers. And the problem is that we often switch from seeking to understand to becoming more like the disciples, and we start blaming See, the disciples said, whose fault is this? Is it the parent's fault or is it his fault? And sometimes when we walk through the mess, we do the same thing. We want to blame somebody. We want to give fault to somebody. Well, it's not my fault this happened. It's their fault. You know, this whole mess wouldn't happen if that person wouldn't have done this. This whole thing wouldn't be this way. If, and you just fill in the blanks. And you know, sometimes we walk through the mess. We didn't cause the mess. It happens. And sometimes when we do it, we want to blame people. When we walk through the mess, too often we're unaware of what God wants to do and what he wants to do through us, what he can do and what he wants to do through us. See, the blind man and the disciples were unaware. The blind man was unaware of what Jesus could do. And the disciples were unaware of God, what God wanted to do. And it's real easy to get caught up in what we want and stay unaware of what God is up to. See, God's at work every day. God don't rest. He's up to something. And too often, we're unaware of what he wants to do. We may be walking through something, and it could be painful. It might be consuming. And as we walk through it, we can remain unaware that God is refining us through this process. God is preparing us for his work. And just because we're unaware of what God is up to doesn't give us permission to walk away from God. Just because life gets messy and life gets sticky does not give us the opportunity to walk away. In, in fact, we have to do just the opposite. We have to remain obedient. And that's the second thing I want to see is the obedient 
We had the unaware, and now we have the obedient. The disciples have just asked Jesus, who sinned? Jesus is about to give his response, and the blind man is about to give his obedience. So they say, Jesus, who sinned? And in verse 3 says, neither this man or his parents have sinned, said Jesus, but this happens so that the work of God might be displayed. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming no when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. See, I love the obedience of the man shows here. I love this obedience. When Jesus was responding to the disciples, and then Jesus turns his attention back to the blind man, it's just really cool because now we see Jesus spit. And as a guy, I don't know, I just love a Savior that spits. <laughs> that just shows just raw humanity. So he's fully God, fully man, but you know, here in this situation, he spits. And I find this interesting. He spits, he makes mud, and put it on the eyes. So if you look at all the other miracles, I'm just going like, to list out three, but if you study these miracles, this is far different than how he usually interacts in his miracles. See, in, in, in John chapter 4, he heals the royal official's son. The royal official comes to Jesus as he's passing through. He says, Jesus, come to my house. My son is sick. I need you to come take care of him. And Jesus says, look, your faith has healed your son. Go see him. He's going to be fine. So when the guy gets back to this house, his son is healed. So Jesus didn't even have to come into his presence. He just sort of spoke it, and it happened. And then we see in Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus showing up at Peter's mother-in-law's house. And there's Peter's mother-in-law. She's sick and she's in bed. And Jesus comes and speaks over her and says, we need you to help us. And she gets out of bed. She's healed from her sickness and helps take care of what they need, helps attend to their needs. He just speaks over her. Or, or, or in John chapter 11, we see where Lazarus has died. And he, he's in the tomb and Jesus shows up, and he just sort of yells into the tomb. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And here comes Lazarus, raised from the dead, walking out of the tomb. So we see Jesus speaking over. Jesus just saying, it's done. But in this miracle, we see him spit and make mud. And then he, he, he tells the guy, he puts the mud on his eyes, and he tells the blind man, he says, now, look, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And here's the obedience. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. See, the man was obedient. Jesus said, go, and he went. It's like Jesus said, what I'm doing in your life might get messy. I might, I might, I might be putting some mud on you. I might be getting this all messed up, but I want you to remain obedient through the mess. Here's the deal. Things got messier before they got better. He went from a blind man to a blind man with mud on his eyes, and then he had to go wash it's just something amazing out of the ordinary. Verse 6, after saying this, and I just, I just love this. I just, it's just so rich because we can walk through and we want the clean miracles, but here Jesus has shown us a different kind of miracle, a messy miracle. It says, after this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Now imagine for a moment you're the blind man. Okay? These men come up to you and start talking to you. You, you don't know them is it okay to say you don't know them from Adam? Uh, maybe it's biblical. Um, you don't know who's talking to you. You're the blind man. And all of a sudden you hear some guy go. Whack. 
thinking to myself, on oh, the blind man, I sure hope he's just clearing his throat. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Then all of a sudden you feel this moist mud on your eyes. And you're thinking, man, is that what he just made? <laughs> did, 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 seriously? You just spit on the ground and made mud. And I, I, I'm blind. And you just had to go there. Why? Why, why? You know, and, and let's, let's say for a minute, he, he knows of the miracles. He's heard of the miracles that Jesus, he spoke. You know, this is the Christ who speaks miracles. Jesus, why, why, why the mud? Why did you have to make things messier? Why did you have to walk me through this? Why did you have to get messier instead of just speaking over it? You know, uh, maybe, you know, there could have been another way, Jesus. He's sitting there, he's like, really, I'm blind. I've been blind since birth, and now you just had to make it messier. Is, is the mud really necessary? Jesus, is it messy? Is it necessary to be messy? And sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of a mess and want Jesus just to clean it up. We want this magic Jesus just to show up and clean it up like that. Instead of walking us through something. Instead of, you know, allowing our miracle to be our miracle, and our miracle doesn't have to look like their miracle. And I think that's why, you know, God allowed this to be in the Bible because this is a different kind of miracle. We see Jesus speaking over a lot of stuff, but this one's messier. But I, I, I don't want you to miss what happened in the mess. See, in the mess, there was mercy in the mess. And the mud that Jesus made as he spit and made mud, there was mercy in that mess. As he put it on the blind man's eyes, there was mercy. There was compassion he said, look, I want to restore you. And, and, and how I'm going to restore you is through the mud, is through, through this mess. As I put this on your eyes, there's mercy in this mess. What we're walking through, God doesn't want us to suffer. God doesn't want, you know, we may have to go through suffering, but God says, look, I have mercy for you. I have grace for you. What you're going through, I have compassion for you. I'm not a distant God who says, do this on your own. I'm a God who's right here willing to walk through this with you. There's mercy in the mess. The second thing is, there was a miracle in the mess. See, Jesus wants to heal the blind man. But like many of the other miracles, this one gets messier before it gets better. This one requires the man to be obedient. The miracles require the man to go and wash. Uh, we like the clean, instant, microwavable miracles. You know, where in one minute our problems are taken care of instead of having to walk through what we have to walk through. We don't like the ones that get messy, but there's a miracle in the mess. God is at work in the mess. The mess is the opportunity to see God at work. Our inconveniences are nothing to an almighty God. So even in the messiness, the blind man remains obedient to Christ. As he walks through the messiness of life, we're reminded to remain obedient. Just as the blind man was obedient, he went and he washed. Because I believe it's too easy when things get tough, things get messy, is to pull back and to move away from God. Instead of being obedient and pressing into him and saying, God, I don't know why I have to walk through what I have to walk through, but I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to press into you. I'm going to walk with you with what you have. See, we want to say, God, give me your blessing. Just make it easy. God, just, just give me that blessing and make it easy. But possibly things may have to get messed up before they get blessed up. 
Things may have to get messed up before they get blessed up. What brings me to the next thing, and that's the Almighty. We have the unaware, we have the obedient, and now we see the Almighty and what his plan is. John 3, John 9, chapter 3 says this. After asked who sinned, his response is this. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus said, but this happened. This happened. What he's going through, this happened so that the work of God may be displayed in him. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the work of God to be displayed in and through me. What I go through, I want my life to point to Christ and not to me. I want the work of God to be displayed through me. I want him to use me to show others that he's God. And how, how interesting it is that Jesus says, look, this man's not blind because of what he did or what his parents did. This is going on so that the work of God, so what happens is that the work of God might be displayed in him. Jesus' response is the one I believe we can all hold on to when things get messy. Jesus, you know, his response is this happened so that people will know God. This happened to point people to God. Our lives should be a conduit. You know, at the end, it shouldn't be us that gets the credit. It should be God that gets the credit. What we walk through, we should be able to point people to God because of what we've walked through. What if we could take this response and apply it to our lives? What would it look like in our lives if every time we faced a struggle, every, every time we saw an opportunity through that struggle to display God's power? I say, God, what I'm walking through, what this mess is that I'm walking through right now, God, just use it. Use it to bring glory to you. Lord, walk me through this so that you can be praised, so that your work can be known. God, what I'm walking through, though I have the weight of the world on my shoulders, I've got to walk through this. Lord, may it reflect your power in what I'm going through. May people come to know you through what I have to walk through. We don't even always need to know why we have to go through stuff. Isn't that what we ask when we walk through stuff, when the mess happens, like, Why? Like when I'm in my kid's bedroom, that came out of my mouth. I'm like, why? Why? We want to know why. And sometimes we don't have the why for some of the mess. But you know what? I may not have the why, but I know the who that's going to clean it up. And sometimes I don't need to know the full why, but I'm allowed to know the full who. Through his word, through knowing, through being obedient. I, I may be unaware, but through my obedience, I can know the Almighty. And oftentimes we face this and we say, God, why did you let this happen? Instead, what if we could develop the habit of looking at our problems as opportunities for God to show up instead of a challenge that we feel we always have to solve? I love how Jesus puts our struggles into perspective. He says, this happened. You know, things happen, life happens, struggles happen so that the work of God may be displayed. We get so caught up in our struggles that we ask God just to remove it instead of understanding that you know, what we're walking through may be a refining process. He may say, look, I've got stuff for you in your future. You don't even know what I have for you, but I've got to walk you through this in order to allow you to be used, allow it to work through you. What I'm about to do in you, I'm going to use down the road, but I need you to walk through this first. I need you to be refined, and through that refining, we're going to remove a lot of stuff. It's going to get uncomfortable. It's going to get messy but I have a plan for your life. When you find yourself in the middle of, of the big mess in your life, don't get distracted trying to solve the mess that you fail to focus on what God's doing 
through you. You know, how are we going to use our gifts and our abilities and our experiences and the skills that God's already given us to further his kingdom? You know, it, it doesn't take a lot for God to shine through. In fact, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, he took a small amount from the, he took the loaves and fishes from the kid. It was small. And he fed the 5,000. And I wonder what he can do with my messed up little things that I walk through or even my messed up big things. And I say, God, I give you this. Let's see what you can do with it. What if my mess is his glory? What if my mess is an opportunity for him to shine through? See, because, because he is almighty, we can trust him. Because God is almighty, we can trust him. Because Christ is almighty, we can put our faith in him. God is bigger than what is in the world and what the world will throw us. And because we can trust him, and because he's bigger, we can get through the mess. So we've got to trust Christ in our circumstance. See, we need to trust Christ in the circumstance. And that's not just a church answer because, you know, I remember my mom would give me answers like that all the time. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can deal with this. She'd say, just trust Christ. I'm like, I don't need a church answer. She would say, it's not a church answer. It's a reality. It's not something cliche that we just want to throw out. But what greater things can we trust in than Christ? You know, he says, trust Christ. Trust Christ in your circumstances. You go through life, uh, you're going to face unique circumstances. You're going to face unique messes. Things are going to happen. Life's going to happen. In those circumstances, trust Christ. Instead of wishing them away, work to be obedient to Christ through the mess. Uh, you, you, you may not have caused the mess. It may just be something you have to deal with now. There's the mess. Trust Christ with the mess. Trust Christ in the circumstance. When we come to Christ, we surrender our life to him. When we say, Lord, Lord, I want you to be, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to take my life, my past, my present, my future, all of it I give to you. I surrender all that I am. All that I'm going to be is now yours. And so even when life gets messy, why do we feel we have to hold on to it like this is our mess instead of surrendering that too? What we're walking through, just saying, Jesus, this is yours. I, I surrendered my life years ago, and what I'm walking through, this is yours. And I'm going to trust you with this circumstance. We give him our past, our present, our future, so when something comes along, trust him with the circumstance. Remain obedient to him through this situation. John 16, says this. As Jesus is addressing the crown, he says, I told you these things so that you may have peace. I don't know about you, but when life gets messy, life gets tough, man, that's what we seek is peace. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. It says it right there. We're going to face trouble. In this world, there'll be trouble. But I love this. Take heart. I have overcome the world. And how cool is that? If Jesus is enough to overcome the world then he's powerful enough to handle my circumstances. So I need to trust Christ. The second thing is this, trust Christ in the outcome. See, a lot of times we, we let our minds go to where uh, the worst possible scenario, when things get messy, we can navigate to the worst possible outcome. Our mind goes to the conclusion that doesn't always play out. 
The blind man could have decided that what Christ was asking him to do didn't match the outcome. He may have anticipated or the outcome was not what he fathomed. But we can trust Christ in the outcome. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So as we walk through the messiness of life, we need to draw closer to Christ. We need to trust him. We may be unaware of what we're going through or why we're going through it, but we need to be obedient through what we go through. And we've got to understand that we have an almighty God who's there to walk through it with us. And he's already overcome the world and he can overcome our messiness. Let me ask you to bow your heads with me.